and welcome to Ride the Omnibus. I'm your host, Ariel Abesca, and I am happy to announce that we have just been named to the top 40 social justice podcasts by Feedspot. So, hey, but in other news, today we are talking about the new documentary that debuted at South by Southwest, Split at the Root, about the separation of families at the U.S.-Mexico border. I'm joined by executive producer Marty Noxon, producer Maria Grasso, and subject Julie Schweitert-Colazzo of Immigrant Families Together to talk about this special film. I'm really grateful to be able to talk to you guys about this brilliant documentary that is just absolutely phenomenal and out of this world. I also will just say, Marty, you are my childhood hero because <laughs> I kind of fell in love with you when I saw Buffy season six as a teenager. So <laughs> thank that you. Said, that said, Julie, you're my new hero because you said a lot of things that I have had on the brain for quite a long time. And I love that you take so many people to task with this documentary. And I really want to commend you for doing such an incredible job bringing such a powerful subject to light in such a comprehensive way. So can I ask, first of all, for you, Maria and Marty, as producers on this project, how on earth did you put together all these huge issues and distill them into one place? Well, you know, Maria can speak to this better, but, you know, it, it all started because I heard through the grapevine about the work that IFT was doing. And then, you know, got Linda involved and Maria involved. And the job was always, I think, to keep it focused narratively to keep, you know, Jenny and Rosie and the women who are being affected by the policies front and center. And, you know, Maria can talk about like then rolling in a lot more context and also just our desire not to center, you know, we're a bunch of white women. We were acutely aware of that, that this was not, you know, that this wasn't just a story about in fact, it, the part of, about us was the most most minimal part, except in the way that Julianne Francisco and the, the groups that formed around this grassroots movement were just kicking ass <laughs> and taking this on for themselves. So I think it was always about finding that balance. Yeah, it's such, and especially then with zero tolerance, it was this hot topic issue. And IFT was a really compelling way to sort of enter the story. But when we realized that we could have access to Rosie and Jenny, that they had already done a fair amount of media when they were bonded out, you know, we started our story a little later. We knew that we wanted to center the film on their experience. You know, this issue was being covered in the news, but really from a political angle, a lot of sound bites, a lot of statistics, and we wanted to make it personal. These were parents, these were moms, you know, even if you don't have a child, which I don't, I'm still the, the child of parents, everybody could relate to emotionally what was happening at the border. And it's a really interesting lens into our broken immigration system that is not just a one administration issue. So once we started finding that narrative spine through the character story, I wouldn't say it was easy, but we knew we had the elements that we could then build the scope around the issue. And it's such an amazing way that you put it together 
it's a shocking statistic that you see at the end that altogether there were 4,368 children separated from their parents. And the sheer number of that, I think, gets lost. But by focusing on the specific stories of these women and what they went through, it really brings it home. But I love what you have to say, Julie, throughout. Obviously, what you've done is something incredibly heroic and important that everyone should be doing, which is a point that you make in the film. But I also love how you really call to task other white women as well who might not necessarily be centering the right people Mm -hmm. in the fight, because that is something that all of my friends of color have been experiencing themselves in different ways. And so I just wondered if you could elaborate a little bit on that. Sure. I think for one thing, in the context of both the film and the work that IFT has done, and particularly in how IFT structures social media, we've been extremely thoughtful about whose stories get told, how they get told, who gets centered, and also really understanding that we want to enrich narratives around asylum seekers so that there's not solely the narrative of being victimized by this abusive policy, which clearly was absolutely the case in Zero Tolerance. But instead, here's somebody who has a complete life, just like all of the rest of us, who has other joys and challenges and is really trying to to build um, a life, a family, a community in their new home country. And I think um, the film does that so beautifully and in that way really mirrors the work that IFT has invested over the past almost four years now. You know, I think it's so beautiful that Rosie and Jenny get to be the the speakers of that story, right? As it as opposed to it being told through my voice or through the voice of any of the other volunteers. And through that, you get to see their complexity, right? And what they're grappling with. And, and also what they would change about immigration policy. And so that's what we're always seeking to do at IFT2, to really strike that balance between protecting people's identity and not exploiting their story. If you look at our social media, for example, you will almost never see a family member's face because we believe ardently that you should not trade some story, someone's story of pain um, in order to get a donation. We are just so absolutely rigid about that and mm-hmm. uncompromising. But that people really get to be the the tellers of their own story and on their own terms. And Jenny and Rosie, from the very beginning, since they were released, were very adamant that they wanted to take every opportunity possible to share their story. And that was not the case with every single family that we've provided support to. But they wanted to be able to do that, to be able to say to the women with whom they had been detained, I haven't forgotten about you. And I am going to carry this issue outside of the walls of this destitute detention center that's in the middle of nowhere that's beyond the view of the general public. And I think that's so wonderful that you were able to find women who were willing to share these stories and to come forward. But I agree with you, Julie, absolutely. To hear everything spoken in the actual Spanish dialect as these women feel it is so important to communicating something very central in terms of where the movement began. And I also wanted to come to a point, I'm going to get salty with my language here, but (laughs) I absolutely love your summation, Julie, of the whole problem that you saw that bumper sticker that said, fuck off, we're full. (laughs) And honestly, that to me is the perfect summation of immigration attitude in this country. And why is it that you're able to distill this so clearly and concisely where... 
so many other people cannot. Is it, do you think, because you have a very different bird's eye view? I don't know. I wish I had the answer to that. <laughs> I will tell you, our IFT secretary was like, you said the F word in this film. No good. <laughs> like, it's, it's, there's no way to put it more impactfully and clearer no. than that. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was really, I have been fortunate from a really early age when I was, I grew up in South Carolina. When I was 15, I won a scholarship to study Spanish anywhere in the world. I, as a parent now, I cannot believe that my parents in the days of like <laughs> nascent internet and like no cell phones, that my parents let me get on an airplane and move to Costa Rica for the summer and live with a family and not speak to me for an entire summer. But that really shaped like everything about my life. And then becoming a social worker who worked primarily with Spanish speaking populations and marrying a refugee and then moving to Puerto Rico and then to Mexico and traveling and working as a journalist in Latin America, I think just gave me so many different windows into the reasons why people flee and just understanding that, you know, our entire Country. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't have an answer for you because I don't know why this well, is. A I, <laughs> Go ahead, Maria. Do you have it's an answer? Interesting, you know, because you know, looking at all of Julie's interviews and, and spending so much time with her through the footage. Early on, you said something growing up in the South that you were an outsider, and it really seemed like that informed your perspective and who you aligned with. And I also think separately, but but related, you were just incredibly gifted in being able to articulate and distill situations in layman's terms. And we were so lucky when Linda first filmed you and we saw the interview and it was like, yes, we have a movie. <laughs> because- but I don't understand why other people don't see that, which I think is your question. But I don't, I don't know why it's not sort of evident to other people that immigrants make us better, right? And that literally every single one of us did not come from here unless you're indigenous <laughs> to this country. And so yeah. I, it's just it, it, the, the disinformation and misinformation train that like left the station, you know, decades, if not more than a century ago in this country, it just, I, I truly am puzzled by it. I think it's so vital that this film approaches the issue in a way that is not polarized and that makes asylum seekers specifically real, right? It shows them as people who have all of the same, you know, they, they deal with all the same stuff. You know, they're looking at their kid's report card coming home from school. It's all the same stuff that all of us deal with. And so it, I I mean, I hate that they have to be humanized, right? But like it humanizes them and makes them relatable. And so if you're living wherever, right. But if you're living in a community where you don't have contact with, asylum seekers or people from an immigrant background, or you don't talk to them, yeah. you just don't realize that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I was struck watching the film again about Rosie's, you know, entrepreneurial spirit, mm-hmm. like cooking with Rosie during the pandemic, yeah. you know, and how amazing her sons are, how, you know, how incredible and how they're developing into these big hearted concerned, lovely people, I was just like, how could you not want these women, you know, and Jenny, I mean, how could you not want these women in your country? How could you not want these families in your country? And, um, and I agree, like, it's awful that we have to say, oh, these are people, Uh (laughs) you know, seems elementary, but, you know, it's so easy to forget. And, and we may have already touched on this, but 
one of the hardest things for me as a as an activist and a person who tries to help is how quickly focus shifts away how quickly people get distracted and and they don't think about the long-term impacts of these policies and that these families can wait for years and years for any kind of resolution and you know that's one of the reasons i'm passionate about getting this film in front of as many human beings as possible because you know it it shouldn't feel like a burden Mm -hmm. Um, to people that, oh, God, this is one more thing that I have to think about and worry about, because certainly we can get overwhelmed. But even if it's the smallest thing, you know, I'm going to talk to people that I didn't necessarily talk to before, I'm going to try to learn their story, or just extending basic human kindness. That's such an important part of this film that you know, it's so easy to get discouraged and think nothing is good. You know, I was talking to someone else yesterday who was just like, the world is a fucking dumpster fire and it's always going to be that way. And I was like, don't, don't discount kindness, you know, don't discount these big hearted human beings who connect and, and do make the world a better place. So. And I love that you started the movie also with that point with Jenny saying, there are people who have a kind heart. There is a way out of this because I will tell you, my co-host unfortunately couldn't be here because she's flying here from Amsterdam, but she was terrified of watching this movie because she Mm -hmm. just didn't want to weep buckets. She she was just terrified. It is one of our tasks in how do you position this? How do you take a film that has a very big political you know, drive, but it, it's not a political movie. You know, we, we, what we say to people is, yes, there's a social justice issue, but this is a human interest mm-hmm. story. But, you know, I think that's really important in, in positioning it, it is that human connection. And we knew early on because of IFT's work and knowing fundamentally who Rosie and Jenny are as people, that hope and inspiration were tonal touch points for us. We, of course, wanted to be authentic and honest and tell the true story, which is heart-wrenching. But at the end of the day, and maybe this says a lot about who I am, I find it to be a very uplifting film. It is a very uplifting film. And I love how you managed to put together the narratives of these women that are situated in such dark places, but then also share all of the love and exhilaration from the kids like Fernando Jose. Oh my gosh, he breaks my heart. (laughs) But you can also tell he's been through a lot of trauma and the effect that this has had on the children because no child is that well-spoken and that emotional Mm. in exactly that way, unless they've experienced real horror in their lifetime. Julie, do you want to say something about that? Yeah. I mean, Fernando is actually just such an incredible example of all the IFT kids. But I think he's just so special, right? Like he arrived here. He didn't speak any English by the end of the year. So they got here in April. By December, he was fluent in English. I was telling somebody else recently that his teachers at his school, which is on the Upper East Side and like a very posh area of Manhattan, come to him actually when new kids are coming to the school, especially from immigrant backgrounds. And like, ask him if they, if he will like help them acclimate in the classroom, because it's not just because of his experience as an immigrant, it's because of his just 
incredible emotional attunement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually got a call recently from his school counselor who was asking if I could help, if IFT could help with a new family that had just moved mm-hmm. there. And she said, oh yeah, Fernando like has really helped the child. Like, yeah. like he's actually called out of his classroom to go into other classrooms to like sit with the child and just be with them mm-hmm. and literally hold space. And you're absolutely right. Like this is a concept, like the concept of holding space is like a, an adult thing, right? Like you hold space for somebody's hard feelings. Mm. And he really, Rosie and I joke about him being like an old soul, like in a little Mm. kid's body. Right. And he is. And I think part of that is the nature, you know, part of it is just his makeup. Part of it is her family and her. And part of it is just the immense trauma that he has suffered at a very young age. But the way that he's been able to take that and make it into something new and beautiful and helpful is just endlessly inspiring. It's such a beautiful film. And it's so wonderful that you can leave it on this hopeful note with these families. And do you mind if I ask each of you, which part of the process of the documentary filmmaking have you found most cathartic or most meaningful to you? I can start. Interestingly, I think it was the editing process. I think it was looking at the opportunity that we had to weave these really personal, intimate narratives and give the story context and really stay true to our goal and to to see it come together. And and Julie, like, I, I know, like, one of the last things we did with you was that piece that speaks about, you know, what was going on, the the historical Hmm. thumbnail sketch of, of Honduras, Guatemala and El Salvador, and how important that was as, as a, just an element to give it context and to ground the story. And so it was very satisfying to see it come together and fulfill our goals. For me, there were two moments. One was um, watching the rough cut with the core group of IFT volunteers, because after we formalized and became a nonprofit, that was a huge challenge for us. It was really this crossroads where for some people it wasn't fun anymore, right? And it wasn't Mm -hmm. fulfilling because we were, I specifically suddenly kind of had to be like the heavy who wasn't like who had to follow rules and bylaws and IRS guidelines. And that was not exciting. And and some people uh, broke off and founded their own organization, which is an extraordinary group as well. And so for us to all come back together and see the film together and really just talk about it afterwards, we debriefed it with Linda and I think we were all crying, not just about the film, but about what we had been through together and about mm-hmm. sort of where our relationships and came back to this place of just understanding, like we were all in this for the same reason. And we're still all in it in our own ways for the same reason. And that there was nothing but deep mutual regard and respect for one another, um, which is making me tear up. But mm-hmm. also, <laughs> I think the other piece was um, watching it with Rosie and the volunteer that they had lived with and with Jordy. Um, Fernando and two of my kids were in a separate room because we didn't want him to be exposed to a lot of stories again, but for Jordy to watch it, I think. And what I have, what my deepest desire for this film, other than inspiring conversation that moves us toward policy change is really for Rosie and Jenny and their families to see reflected back to them, their enormous strength and courage and for audiences to like, 
hold up that mirror for them. Because I think when you're in the thick of it, as with anything in life, right, it's really hard for you to see that when you're sort of in the model of your day to day struggle it's hard for you to see. And I think when Rosie saw the film, she actually said, she's like, oh my gosh, we like, we've come so far. Mm. And I said, yeah, you have. And she was like, but I didn't see that. Like I I wasn't aware of that. Mm. And I think for audiences to like play that back to them will be so incredibly cathartic. And I can't wait to be a witness to that. Julie, you are the perfect documentary protagonist. Can I just say, <laughs> you talk so well about so many things so quickly. Yeah, we're very, very lucky. Yeah, yeah. Really but is. I do hear your points, and I think it's so true. They've come so far. But how about you, Marty? Oh, I mean, it's. I mean, again, like watching it just yesterday. Um, you know, I think the fact that I can watch the story and still cry at different parts of it. And, you know, I know what happens. Um, It just filled me again with like gratitude toward all the people who let us into their homes, all the honesty and and bravery, you know, the bravery of of Rosie and Jenny and how they stood up for not only themselves, but their community. Um, You know, it just, it never stops being a beautiful story. And so that made me also feel really good about that instinct that we had to just like get on it that, you know, my spidey story sense um, didn't, didn't uh, leave me wrong, you know? <laughs> well, it's a beautiful film. I wish you every luck with it. Have a wonderful, wonderful South by and you too. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank, thank you. Ariel. Thank you. Have a good Bye. one. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Before you go, did you know that we're presenting at South by Southwest? Rabia and I will be talking about crafting a culture of accessibility in the film and TV industry. Please stay tuned and we will share more about what's going on in Austin. Thank you for listening. And thank you for taking a moment right now to reflect with me on the history of the land you are listening on now. Whether you are stuck in traffic or sitting in your office chair, Take the time to look up whose traditional lands you are on now and what treaties govern those territories. I record this podcast on the site of lands stolen from the Manahoac people. I am grateful to work on this land, and I acknowledge that we need to protect and honor the history of the indigenous people from other tribal nations that have made innumerable contributions around the world. I share this in the hope that my listeners may join me in honoring our past, present, and future. Without this land, this earth, and each other, we are nothing. Before I go, please take 30 seconds now to leave us a five-star review by clicking on Support the Show in the show notes. We don't want your money, we want your words. A simple RTO rocks my socks expands our reach and helps us keep bringing you great content. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at Omnibus Ride. You can also visit our website, omnibusride.com, where you can go to dive deeper into our content and learn more about the show. A special thank you to our amazing editor, William Das. We truly couldn't do what we do without him or Danielle. Be well, be safe, and keep in touch.